from the creators of Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's week of October 10th, 2014, and this is the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Ugmonk, a design and lifestyle brand focused on producing high-quality products with a minimalist aesthetic and intense attention to detail. From t-shirts to prints to handcrafted leather goods and bags, every design is carefully thought out and executed. And did you know Ugmonk actually partners with Rice Bowls? So a portion of the sales from Ugmonk goes to an organization that helps feed orphans around the world. It's really cool. To learn more about Ugmonk's story, check out the About section at ugmonk.com. And while you're there, Ugmonk is offering a special discount for relevant listeners. Use code RELEVANT at checkout to receive 20% off your entire purchase. Ugmonk.com. U-G-M-O-N-K.com. Love them. They have great yeah. bags. Yeah, they're they, awesome. they do. I traveled with a bag to Nashville last and week. And it made it there and back. It did, in one piece. And they're big relevant uh, fans, which is well. We noticed on the marketing photos on their website, like in the bags. Like if you look in the bag, there's a couple copies of Relevant in it. Really cool. Yeah, very cool. We made a cameo we didn't even know about. (laughs) Speaking of cameos, oh boy, this is a very special episode. Let me first introduce the uh, the the cast here with me in our Orlando studios. Eddie Big Cat Coffles. Cameron, nice to see you. Nice to see you, sir. Uh, Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Calling in from Chicago, Illinois, back after a two-week hiatus, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. And all the way from, well, normally from Portland, but this time from Michigan, Joy Egrich. I do not know what to say. Nope, that was good. I think you got it. (laughs) Nailed nailed it. Hashtag nailed it. Thank you. It was really good. Well, it's like I said, it's a very special edition of the Relevant Podcast. It's a movie edition, so to speak. Uh, Coming up later, we talk to director and co-writer of the new movie, Believe Me, Will Bakke. He's coming up. We've screened that. It's a great movie. Uh, and, and, And we also... I mean, it's a momentous week yeah. in the land of the podcast. Left Behind premiered this week, and so the the guys, uh, all of us, went and saw it. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay, uh, you, you need to push play on me because I'm ready to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. But I, I know I need to wait. So I, I, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about this. Yeah, conversation. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but but up first, uh, a couple of housekeeping notes. Okay. Uh, first of all, Shauna's back. She's been off for a couple weeks. She had uh, some book things, some speaking engagements. Yes. And Shauna, I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. I found out through the Twitterverse that at the speaking engagement you had this weekend, I was a sermon illustration for you. Oh, kind of like your friend who like wasn't doing well, and then <laughs> Cameron made an appearance at Mops. Uh, oh. Three thousand mothers of preschoolers got to hear my favorite Cameron String story. What's wrong with and that? She, and she called you Carl in quote. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Carl. She didn't because we have a mutual friend who started tweeting about. Oh, I'm listening to Shauna talk about our friend Cameron Strang, and I'm saying yeah. Amen, and yeah. I'm going. About what? I still don't know what you did. The masterpiece story, the rocking chair story. I can't believe I, that's. Like, I remember the rocking chair, but I don't remember the. Ma- oh, the masterpiece, that painting that was there. Oh, yes. I remember. Is that a Cracker Barrel? 
<laughs> you, you I have a lot of sermon illustrations. That, sitting in the rockers. I remember. Pretty great. I, I, so I remember the moment. I still don't remember what a shareable story of that would be, other than the fact that I was very uncomfortable and vulnerable in front of a lot of people I didn't know. So they asked me to talk about friendship. And so I told three different stories that I would consider like three kind of illustrations. This is what friendship is. This is the heart of friendship. And so I told the story about how we're sitting in this beautiful place and the person who's leading the devotional is is reading all these verses from scripture about um, how God made everything and he loves creation and he designed it with his own hands. And it's so beautiful. And it was so easy to believe that you're looking at the mountains and you're looking at the birds and the water. And then he asked you to sit in the rocking chair and he said, and every person is a masterpiece. And he read all these verses about how God's greatest achievement and the thing that he made, the thing that he loves most is people. And and so then he said, so Cameron's a masterpiece. Let's tell him how we know that. And there was this like incredible, palpable, very uncomfortable silence where, frankly, we all were like, wait, am I, do I have to go in the chair next? Are, are we all going in the chair? This is terrible. I don't want to go in the chair. It was the most uncomfortable and then move most moving moment of of, of my life. Okay, I remember so, the story yeah. now. So you do remember this story. It was one of the most powerful moments. I'm thank you. I was terrified in that moment. Like I was one of the most moving moments of my life. Right. I wasn't even in the chair. Yeah. I can't believe you don't remember this. So, so Cameron, you didn't say none of you know me all that well. So why don't we just go ahead and base this on physical attributes? I'm ready. Do you like Who's my first? Nikes? Do you like my Nikes? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Powerful thighs. Beautiful physique. It was, it was lovely. Uh, okay, I remember. Nice. All right. Uh, now I get I it. I remember the most powerful moment of my life. <sighs> okay. Okay. All right. I was just curious. I just figured I hadn't talked to you. I figured I'd ask you here on the show. And, uh, what are you talking about me behind my back? Were the mops just uh, mopping it up? <laughs> no. I mean, they were like, oh. Cameron. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. They 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 connected pretty deeply with Cameron in the rocking chair. How many of the comments were physique based? Just out of curiosity. I had, a, I had a PowerPoint with several photographs of him. And it was it's fine. It was it's not awkward. Yeah. Snapchat.com forward slash at Cameron Strang. I gave out his cell phone number, directions to his house, several photographs. It was fine. It was just an, an illustration, not a big deal. Oh my well played, Sean. Right, this got more uncomfortable than I thought yeah. it would. All right. Well played. Uh, moving on. Other housekeeping notes. Joy is in Michigan this week, not Portland, um, because a tragedy has befallen her. Would you like to share what has happened to you in the last week, Joy? I'm currently in a rocking chair, weeping. Um, no, I <laughs> did some. I did some aggressive trail running. I like to say, and I was kind of getting around dusk time, and I was. We had run up, 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 and now we were coming down, and I had some need to breathe on, and I just get a little pumped up sometimes <laughs> with their music. And I was just like bounding down the hill, and I don't know what I stepped on, but I uh, I heard something snap. Oh. But then I was in denial and started oh. laughing hysterically and kept running. You're like, ha ha ha! I'm totally numb. Ha ha ha! <laughs> no, I've broken I've broken this same like leg, uh, foot, ankle, whatever, twice now. Well, and do you both, know the difference? Yeah, is it a leg, foot, or ankle? <laughs> well, or was it no, your it foot is. pinky? So I, I was in Switzerland when I broke my ankle. Well, that's what the doctor there through Broken English told me. I broke my ankle. But then when I got back to the States, a doctor looked at the x-rays, and he's like, actually, it was your leg that you broke. Classic so, Swiss. Um, but now this is the bottom of my foot that I broke. But it was the same thing. Like, hurt. I just literally started laughing hysterically both times. So I don't know what that... Apparently, adrenaline released in my body creates laughter. I, I, I like that about you. 
Kelly, though. That's good. It's better than like screaming obscenities. I think it says something about. Oh, like, I did your... that too. Oh yeah. Well, you got. <laughs> you were laughing while screaming obscenities. Yeah, it was a combo. Yeah. And then I kept running, which probably wasn't good. Buddy. But, yeah. So this it sounds like our left behind experience. This... Well, yeah, well, look, I cannot wait to hear about hold that. Hold it. Hold on. Are you? So can I? Are you okay? Like, is it hurt? Uh, yeah, I mean, it hurts, but I was, I was supposed to go to a wedding in Virginia, skipped that, and then I was coming back to Michigan afterwards, so I just extended my time in Michigan, and my mom, until this moment, she just walked out the door, has been taking care of me, so I haven't had to do anything, so with that, it hasn't hurt, but I have, like, more travel and speaking in the next couple months, and I just literally, I'm exhausted just getting up, going, you know, to brush my teeth. So I'm like, how am I supposed to get up on stage and speak? <laughs> yeah, between us girls, were you kind of okay missing the uh, Virginia wedding? <laughs> so, Joe, you're totally you're totally off your feet for at least two weeks, right? And then it's a six to eight week healing process. Is that what they told you? Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, you know, at, <laughs> Jesse and I are athletes, as you know. Yeah. And, oh and, and as 1,200 mops now. Last, last <laughs> fall, playing basketball <laughs> with the guys, I broke my foot oh, in two places. <laughs> Summit, man. And two was places. Two places. The same bone. Two pa- I, was, I played basketball aggressively, as good players yeah. do. Were there rocks and branches on the basketball court? <laughs> hey, what happened? I landed on another dude's foot. It was a, I was going up and rebounding over him. I was skying so high. When I came down, <laughs> I landed on his foot. Dude, it was a bad break, though, because I talked to guys that morning that were playing with you, and they all like were kind of white face and ashen they're like Cameron really broke it this morning I hope he's okay like it was one of those like definitely broke it It was gruesome yeah it was like I mean you heard both snaps loudly anyway so I was off my feet I know exactly where you're at it was a difficult season for me Uh, Jesse you've broken things right yeah I I broke my foot my ankle uh, about a year ago same thing playing some hoops you know I kind of had to take over the game at that point right sure Uh, for the sake of the, for the W, for the team. Right. And, you know, I was just putting such a toll on my body, just going for every point here. Right, right. So, and the ankle literally just exploded. So, and it looked like a hobbit foot immediately. So we had, we, you know, because we've been there, we've done that, you're in the midst of a very difficult season. Uh, we thought we'd give you a few tips of things oh. that we've learned. So Jesse prepared a few tips for you yep. for these next couple weeks when you have to be totally off your feet of kind of how to get through it. Take it away, Jesse. Tips for joy. Okay, so so here's what here's what I discovered while I was bedridden. You know, okay. because uh, Joy, you're probably like me. You, you know, us athletes, we always want to be going. And the hardest thing <laughs> about the physical recovery was keeping my mind occupied. <laughs> okay, the mind okay. the mind is a, is a, is a, is a dangerous is a, is, a, is a very dangerous tool. Right, you, you don't want to leave it idle. No. So I had to figure out ways no. to keep my mind occupied during said recovery. And I think I came out of the experience not only physically stronger, but also mentally stronger. So I'm going to tell you some ways to keep your mind occupied during this difficult season. Please. Thank you. Okay. Uh, uh, and these don't require any physical movement. So, so you're in luck. Number one, thought experiments. Good idea. Okay. Now... Your roommates or, or whomever is going to come home and just look at you like you're 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 just staring aimlessly at the wall. Let me tell you what. Hey, I'll read some of these, and you can see how whole weeks could go by pondering these thought experiments. Okay. Hey. Things you would do if you were forced to turn to a life of crime for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Great idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, if you can could insert your human mind in its current state into any animal living right now, what would it be and why? I'm be a bird of prey. I'm actually done done with this podcast right now. I'm just going to think about that. <laughs> if you, 
If you could be the world's best at any single weapon, oh. what would it be? Nunchucks. Mine would be nunchucks. Yeah, hey, that's exactly you what both, I was going to say. Hey, you we, said nunchucks. we just jinxed each other. Nunchucks. I, yes. Yeah, I didn't know if I was supposed to answer, but that was what popped into my head. No, these, these are for you just to, to ponder on. I don't I don't want to spoil them. Sean, I assume yours was nunchucks also. <laughs> Obviously. Okay, just, keep, yeah. keep, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, <laughs> if you were forced to spend $2 million on a completely non-refundable or, se- or, non-refundable <laughs> or sellable <laughs> items in a single day, what would they be? <laughs> if you could have your hands replaced with anything from the animal world, yes. what would it be? Yes, and just yes, yes. crab claws, right. isn't, claws, isn't the whole benefit of being human the opposable thumbs that we have the best hand options? I, well, I, I, I think the orangutan would beg to disagree with that. Okay, yeah. There's other animals that have opposable thumbs that can hang off trees and do other. Or cool you could things. have like hooves or I want something. Fins. And, and I want fins. Fins. Yeah. Joy said. That, that's the thing. I, this is an afternoon's worth of work. For okay. The, all right. Sorry. 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 I won't answer. I won't right. answer. Uh, so a couple other options: the dark art of origami. <laughs> <laughs> dark. Very mysterious. Uh, you're gonna go to some dark places, but it'll keep your mind occupied. Uh, here's one. Uh, I tried. I passed out, so I don't try it anymore. Circular breathing, so I can play a super long note on a saxophone. <laughs> Circular brief. Sure. Okay, here, here's what I did. I started binge-watching shows, but wait for it, backwards to see if there were any hidden messages I missed. And so far, there have been none. <laughs> this is really uh, wise. Okay, Jenga, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, this one came to me in a dream, and I'm, I'm still trying to decode it. Harness the power of lightning. Just chew on that one. I don't... <laughs> hey, can we go back to Jenga? Isn't Jenga something that you're supposed to do with another person? Uh, well, you, this is to practice to master it. This is a terrible suggestion. And then when they all fall down and spill all over the floor, she's on her hands and knees having to pick it all up. At the end of eight weeks, Joy has a, a split personality. <laughs> she's talking to her, her friend, Julie. You, and... like, you rotate the Jenga around. <laughs> yeah. Your whole Monday morning update Julie, is just... Julie, it's your turn! <laughs> no, you're missing the point here. It's Think how time-consuming it is to knock over a Jenga tower and rebuild it. It's like three games. You're like, the whole morning is gone, and I don't have to think about my crippling loneliness or this horrific injury and the pain, <laughs> the pain shooting through my foot. Crippling loneliness. I will, I will insert as a side note, when you guys all come to visit Portland, there is a place that has life-size Jenga. Oh. How's that possible? It's possible, and it's real loud. What is life-size? Are the pieces extremely heavy? Yeah. They're like large yeah. blocks of wood, and it's, I mean, it's... Like the height, it's like the size of my body. So it's not life size, it's just well, oversized. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, life size, I am a life, I am a human being, it is my size, therefore it is life size. I feel like that's a fine term. No, I don't like life size, but this seems like one of those things I might get a note on later to just stop talking about. <laughs> so if you guys want to circle back to life size and put it in the agenda, we'll talk about that. Keep going, Jesse Carey. Uh, so, so if you get bored with the Jenga, there's always inventions... <laughs> Uh, There's a couple nuts I haven't been able to crack I'll toss them to your court Uh, Reverse microwave that instantly freezes stuff Is the technology there? I haven't had the time Jesse, there's a thing called flash frozen peas and stuff They have flash freezers I'll believe it when I see it Uh, Helicopter backpack A really big frisbee What a helicopter backpack like Inspector Gadget had? Exactly Okay the, the rocket thing isn't going to happen. I think we all realize that now, yeah. right? Right. Uh, really big frisbee. How about this? Rollerblades for your hands and knees so you can go downhill with a really low center of gravity. Yes. 
Wait, wow. wait, 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 wow. wait, so you want to get on all four? Well, she has a broken ankle, so she'd need to be on all fours. And plus, you know, this time is really not the, the uh, you know, research and development. I'm just looking for someone to actually invent them. I'll test them out if you can make yeah. them, Joy. Yeah, I'll just get some, I'll just get, is there like an inventions program I can download on my computer that just lets me build the schematics? Yeah, I think there's just an app. Most of mine has just been an old-fashioned whiteboard uh, and some a lot of frustration. But uh, <laughs> okay. if you can find something online, I think that'd be helpful. All right. Because you've got all the time in the world, so I'm sure there's something out there. <laughs> Uh, did I mention bicep curls? <laughs> did I mention bicep yeah. curls? But then your legs will wither, and you're going to be top heavy. I, I have that has been one of the thoughts that I've had is that I have been running more than usual, but I haven't been doing any strength training. So when I broke this leg, I was like, well, as I was crutching around, I was like, you know, I think this will work out my upper core, and then once I heal, maybe I can. I'll be even. And, and if you invent <laughs> those hand knee rollerblades, I've been exactly. asking for. Uh, I think you'll have the steering down. <laughs> so, you know, those are just some ideas. Keep your mind occupied. <laughs> those are just some ideas. <laughs> we, we don't, you know, the last thing we want, Joy, is for you to be depressed during this time because God knows it was a terrible time for me and Cameron. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a dark season. Like just of, thinking about it makes me shudder. It was a dark season of crippling loneliness and realizing how dependent that you have to be on other people. It was, it was awful. So. It is. It is hard. But, okay, wait. Two questions. Well, one question for the both of you. Do you experience pain now after your break, like in your foot, or are you pain-free? I believe that God is a healing God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Okay. Bingo. And uh, I am 100% healed. Then I would like on this podcast for you to all pray for my ankle to be healed now. I, I'm going to say this, Joy. I'm not even close. I'm about 45% <laughs> <laughs> across my whole body. Do you still feel pain in your foot? Ankle? Uh, I mean, I haven't returned to you know. I'm not out there uh, dropping thirty on the on the on the hoops court anymore. If I'll, I'll let that be the answer. You're kind of like Kobe coming back after his injury this season. He's just going to be about eighty percent, but yeah. still eighty percent of Kobe's still pretty good. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm still gonna you know be pretty much dominant, just not <laughs> as dominant. Right. Right. All right, well, listen, moving on. And like I said, this is a big week. Uh, and, and the um, There's a lot happening yeah, already. There's just a lot going on, yeah. especially in the Christian movie world. Praise him. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag. <laughs> so, you know, knowing that we've been leading up to and talking about the, the premiere of Left Behind, we, of course, had to send our roving celebrity news correspondent to the red carpet yes. of the Left Behind premiere this weekend. Uh, it's time for Tyler Huckabee's <laughs> Celebrity <laughs> News Roundup from the red carpet of Left Behind. Here it is. Celebrity News. Celebrity News. <laughs> celebrity News Red Carpet. Welcome, uh, Tyler. Is he there? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what's the matter, guys? Were you worried you'd been left behind? <laughs> oh! <laughs> so silly. So silly. Wow. No fear. I'm still here, and so are Hollywood's finest. <laughs> Each of whom looked positively heavenly at the big premiere of Left Behind. Starring Nicolas Cage, Chad Michael Murray, and probably more people. I was not 100% awake for the ending credits <laughs> but oh the times i was awake for what a ride everyone who was anyone who wanted to be there was there <laughs> and guys i actually got a chance to sit down with chad michael murray 
who is known for both One Tree Hill and having three first names. When I asked him if there was a One Tree Hill reboot in the future, he said, and I quote, why? Have you heard something? What have you heard? <laughs> and now it's time for a new segment called, Was This Person a Celebrity Guest or a Theater Employee? <laughs> when I asked a dapper young fellow who I took for an usher where I could sit to get the best possible left-behind experience, he just stared at me, sighed, shook his head, and walked away. Was I talking to a real employee of the theater's star-studded premiere? Or was it an actual star? Could it have been Gary Grubbs, who IMDb lists as lighting up the screen in both Left Behind and a 1998 episode of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? <laughs> I would have asked him myself, but it seemed like too much of a tribulation. Oh. <laughs> that one this has dirty. been, was this person a celebrity guest or a theater employee? <laughs> then, guys, came the moment we'd all been waiting for. So the Ghost Rider. The Rock. The Risen Arizona. Yes, that's right. Nicholas Cage stopped by to see if anyone had seen his sunglasses. And then left us all behind. It was a rapturous moment. And that was the last I had before I was ejected by security. Thanks, gang. We'll see you all next time. Celebrity News. Celebrity News. Just so listeners know, that's Tyler's full time job. (laughs) That's what he. That's where he's been for two weeks. Yeah, Uh, I really that opening gag totally got me. Yeah, me too. I was like, yeah, Um, that was awesome. uh, So we figured we would, ladies, bring you up to speed on our thoughts as we experience this movie. But before we get into that, I would like to create context and remind the listeners of something that our very own Jesse Carey said only a few weeks ago here on this podcast. Here it is. Can I tell you my concern about this movie? They've released the trailer. Right. It looks like it's going to be too good to like continue to make fun of, but it, it, like the trailer for the movie looked incredibly competent. The trailer didn't look like you watch it and you're like, this could actually be, it could be like a 55% a, a, a of Rotten Tomatoes. You can't make a fun of a 55%. It's not fresh, but it's not totally rotten. It might not be a great movie, but it's not going to be a laughable one. So, so, to, so to your Rotten Tomatoes assumption, it didn't get 55%. It got 2%. 2, no. 2%. 2 percent. And I would like to just create the, the right mood. And play a little bit of yes. I wish. Sing it, Kevin. Okay, two percent, everyone. Two percent. Was that the song that played for the closing credits? Yes, yes it, it is. is. Not the DC Talk version. No. I think it was a the, generic version. The Jordan Sparks no. version, I You're believe. Not kidding? No, no, it was a Jordan no. Sparks version who okay. was in the film. Yeah. It was. I, I'll get the ball rolling here. <laughs> it was in every single possible like category the worst movie I have ever seen. But can, see, but, but, it was okay. Wait a minute. No, Jesse. Jesse, <laughs> if you uh, go, I'm not trying to be intentionally contrarian here. Okay, I, know, I, know. I went in. Here's the thing. I went into the movie totally open minded. I will say this. 
the music throughout the movie was incredibly oh, intrusive. Unbelievable. unbelievable. There, there were like drum solos at random times happening in the background. It was Garage Band, basically. <laughs> it was like a royalty-free website where they had movie soundtracks from scores. like 1975. Yeah, it was awful. The, the music really, really hurt the experience. I, and I'm not trying to criticize the, the person who made it. I'm just saying that was my experience. That The music really took me out of it. I just felt like it was a bad, low-budget, weird movie that had cheesy special effects and was boring. I didn't feel like it was totally botched. So the problem with it, in my mind, was I hoped it would be Snakes on a Plane, almost Sharknado. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like it was self-aware, campy, over-the-top. We're going to – I mean, this is going to be epic, and it's terrible, and we're going to have a blast. Mm-hmm. It was the opposite. Right. It I tried was, to be a great movie. I was angry. <laughs> I was confused. I was hurt. I was sad. I was mad. I started thinking about the $9. <laughs> right. And like, I, wa- I was like – I couldn't handle it. It was at times. It was. I, I felt my. I was like putting my hand on my chest because I just couldn't breathe. I had hands over my head half the movie because it was. I just it was incredulous. Eddie, why, why were there hands on your chest? Okay, it was just so awful. Like like that we that we Don't. spent like ten minutes in the food court opening scene with wildly slow dialogue that was not moving anywhere. And who the writing, the writing is what got me. It was the most cliched, like yeah. like the little boy in it was like, yay, a new baseball glove, thanks, it's the one I've always wanted. It hey, was sister, like, the, why does daddy say that pastor is washing the brain of mommy? Yeah. It, You're 10, you seven. idiot! <laughs> You've heard the term brainwash. I mean, like... Uh, or a whack job. I mean, it was oh, a that's crazy a movie. Term. I'm, I'm an internationally renowned reporter, but I've never heard anyone use the word whack job. Yeah. <laughs> that oh. was the beloved Nicolas Cage for you all. Here's the deal. I'm going to say this. I, I, Again, I was hoping that the Nicolas Cage-ness of it all right. would be like, like the 150%. thing we're talking about. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, right. But the directing was so bad. The writing was so bad. The music was so bad. Everything about it was so bad that... I didn't even notice Nicholas yeah, Cage. Yeah, the only po- the only scene that I felt Nicholas Cage yeah. showed up was that one scene where he picked up the paper cup and he stabbed it twice yeah, to yeah. demonstrate something. Yeah. And it was kind of like that zaniness of Nicholas Cage came out, but that was 2 seconds and then the rest of it he was in the cage. He was phoning it in. I mean like 90% of 95% of his scenes he's in the cockpit. Right. And and I really think he was just filming this off by himself and it was unaware of the rest of the production yep. or it was done at a separate time. I yeah. think so. Because like he was just kind of doing his thing. He showed up, guys check and left. I mean, so what it sounds like is that you guys are taking all blame off of Nicolas Cage for being a bad actor and just blaming it on the directing. Nicolas Cage is an Academy Award winning actor, by the way. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. I know it's a sore subject for you. (laughs) He didn't know, guys. He didn't know. He was all alone filming. He he never had any contact with anyone else. He actually didn't even read the script until he got there by himself. Well, actually, you you kind of feel like he didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but here's the thing. I think you guys are holding it to a standard. That 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 it couldn't possibly like people can argue about the uh, terminology or whatever. But for a, what's basically a, a, a low budget or mid budget Christian movie, it's about at the same stand. I felt like you, if you're holding it to the standard of like a, 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 of a Hollywood production that's made by like a major studio, it definitely misses the mark. But I felt like for a Christian movie, it was pretty much what you expected. Ooh. Like if you've seen other Christian movies that just don't have the same quality standards. I didn't feel like it was worse than those. Just, I just felt like it wasn't was it, exactly a Hollywood production. But was just, it trying to give a Christian message? Well, oh. no. First, first of all, I think the theology of it all was... I, I went in fresh. I did not read the books. I didn't see the other movies. Yeah. And so, like, I was... 
I was confused. I was angry that mm-hmm. this is how they're. Pre- I mean, it was like, and, and Eddie, you said at the yeah. end of it, like this wasn't really what the books were. Because <laughs> like. you read the books. I, yeah, I read the books. I, I, I mean, I was twenty, I think, when yeah. I read them. But they were compelling. I mean, like you made your way through them. And theology <laughs> aside, because there's a lot of conversation about it. Like they were, they were at least interesting page turners. Yeah. And um, obviously, because a lot of people read them that had no interest in learning anything about god or book of revelation or anything like that that still found the books interesting i, I thought it was good so, but, but, so, so like jesse to your point though i i think i think actually i'm gonna i'm gonna say i think you're wrong because they made this movie with kirk cameron as a christian movie low budget christian movie right this thing was like nicholas cage blockbuster cg major studio Bringing release jordan sparks and chad yeah, michael snavely this, and all this that. is gonna be the thing <laughs> wish. and so they were shooting for mass market credible movie yeah. or else why remake it you already made yeah. the Christian one. Right, right. So well, that's what I'm saying. I, I like, know that's what they were shooting for, but I guess I had tempered my expectations. Well, See, I mean, and I came in with low expectations. Like, yeah. low. I knew it was 2% of Rotten Tomatoes. I knew it was going to be bad. It was still way worse than I th- thought. There, there were just some fundamental... Like, I, if we... If we got together, the six of us, and re-edited it, we would make it so much. Like, there were just some fundamental filmmaking flaws that were like, how in the world did nobody catch this? I know, why, why was so that is my shot? trailer idea still on the table? Yes. I'd still like to do that. It's Absolutely. Not, it's, it, it, it is on the table. That's a great idea. That's a thought experiment for you is to storyboard that out for the next couple of weeks. <laughs> the thing that, the thing that like, confused me more than anything besides the terrible directing decisions, editing decisions, whatever, was when we sat through the credits Mm -hmm. and I you know hey we put out some clunker magazine issues sure bands can put out a clunker album we've had some horrible podcasts we've put out a lot of horrible podcasts but you know what there's five people involved you know right I was looking at that credits there were hundreds of people involved and nobody raised their hand and said um maybe we could do this better is this not good yeah is it just me I'm like how does this go through I know I mean like okay New York Magazine called it the worst movie of all time. And I'm going to say this. I haven't seen Ishtar. I haven't seen Mariah Carey's Glitter. I have. have you seen The Room? I have not I, seen The Room. I have seen, okay. the, I have seen the Room, but The Room is different. It, but, but that's the thing. It, it's how, how, okay, real quick, how is it different? It, I think The Room is different because it was made by someone who was right on the edge of sanity and absolutely <laughs> got a movie made in Hollywood that nobody... You, do you guys know about this? No. There's no, a whole I've never but, heard but of it. But it's way worse than... The Room is a thousand times worse. Right, but I nobody, mean, I mean, nobody was pretending that it would be anything but awful it was a guy who never knew i can't recommend nicholas cage in it it did not and i cannot listen if you're listening they, they to this show do a remake with nicholas cage the, listen if you're listening to this show i am not and nor is jesse carey we are not recommending the room you need to not see this movie on many ethical it, levels it, it, it is it is a trip to the brink of of the 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 sane mind yeah it, <laughs> it, it's like if david lynch wasn't intentionally david lynch and was just make like it, it the, the plot there's it, the it's almost impossible to explain what the room is about, but it, it, it's this. They, they call it the Citizen Kane of bad movies. But to to Eddie's <laughs> point, I guess it, it was. It's it's very different than 
left behind in that it didn't have a, a major actor or any Hollywood experience attached to it. It was just a, this really weird day, dude named Tommy Wiseau making an insane movie. So, so uh, insane. Yeah. So I haven't. So, so as far as movies that are trying to be good entertainment blockbuster successful movies, like Ishtar had famous actors in it. Whatever back in the late eighties, like Glimmer, like, like gl- Glimmer. That's what it was, not Glitter. Yeah, oh. I don't mm. know what it's called. Are you talking about yeah, Mariah Carey? I think it is Glitter. 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 Yeah, like all those. Right. They're Shana, trying to know. be a good successful movie. Yeah. I think it's it left glitter. behind was definitely Glitter. I knew. Shana Thank you, Shauna. I was just yeah going through my DVD collection. It's, it's Glitter. Yeah, it's Glitter, and then there's Glitter I, I, extended I, version. I'll yeah. say this. Yeah, let me let me it, check my poster. It was by far the worst movie I've ever yeah. seen. Easily. Easily. And Ever. I've seen a lot of Christian movies, and I still thought this one was way worse. I've done some deep cuts on Netflix yeah. that were clearly straight to distribution, and they bypass the theaters. This is, you know, so, I mean, there's worse ones out there. But, but like, as far as a theater release, I mean, I can't, I can't think of a movie that even no, comes close. I can't either. Yeah. I really can't. And, 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 guy, and people listening, like, I'm, I'm just like, you're going, oh, because I posted pictures of us going and we were laughing or whatever. And you're like, oh, it's going to be like Sharknado. It's going to be fun to go and just like it's campy and kitschy and we'll kind of like inside joke laugh at it. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. It's not enjoyable at all. You get angry halfway through. <laughs> yeah, because stay home. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, don't do it. Halfway home. That's how long it took you, or halfway uh, through the movie, that's how long it took you to get angry. Because <laughs> I was pretty angry around minute five. I was like, I was just, I was confused, Yeah, man. I was going to say, if you, like, our row, uh, Eddie, Cameron, and myself, the three, the, the, the two things that you heard was laughter yeah. and what is going on? Literally what is, what is going on? I put my happening? hands over my head ten times. Like, I just, I just don't know what's going on right now. Like, why? How, how many people were in the theater with you? Eight. Yeah. I See, I went, and I was in the middle. Of, I went like during a matinee. Uh, Why? Uh, Why, Jesse? Why'd you go by yourself during a matinee? <laughs> Why? Well, yeah, you told me you didn't want to be the weirdo at the evening screening going by yourself to see Left Behind, so you were going to sneak into a matinee. Because I figured there wouldn't be a lot of people in there being like, who's this dude that's just going to this weird movie by himself in the middle of the evening? I figured if during the day I could just kind of sneak in there. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I'm telling you, when I bought the ticket, it was like I felt like I was like... It, I like I couldn't look the guy in the yeah, eye. I, know, I, and I was like almost like you're buying like a movie to, uh, like a like a bad movie. Yeah. Like you know, like <laughs> I will I will I, will, I, I went in there like five minutes early to the theater and maybe this is why I didn't have such an emotional reaction, you know? I was a little unsettled. I go in there and I'm I'm expecting to go into an empty theater. And it's not an indictment on the movie, it's just the middle of the afternoon, you know? There are two men in the theater sleeping. <laughs> Like hobos? I think. I think they're sleeping. Like, I, I, I go in there hobos. and I'm like... <laughs> Did hobos camp out? That's a really I'm nice like, word. Are, are these guys even alive? I mean, the trailers were playing really loud. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I keep looking up and they're not moving, you know? And I'm thinking, am I in here with two bodies? Okay. <laughs> like, am I, at a, am I sitting at a crime scene and so, now I'm the suspect? How long, how many movies have these guys been in this theater for? Maybe they're plants. Maybe the studio put them in there to make the theater seem more full. It's like, like they're mannequins. And then the fugitive happens. They're just running from it <laughs> yeah. because it's, okay, so of all the things, I mean, the movie was bad. It didn't, that didn't bother me. I don't mind bad movies. It was just more like, oh, bummer for them. I wish they had, you know, tried. The one. I, I wish they'd been ready. The, <laughs> the one thing that actually bugged me about the movie in terms of one thing no but like of the, all the, the one things, the culmination this, is the, the this is the thing is the whole idea and premise of kind of the book but not really but more of this movie is everybody that's sitting in first class together who's not who, who is left behind so a couple people disappear but then everybody's still sitting there and you realize oh these are the people that didn't believe they take the liberty throughout the movie of going through everybody's story and i thought it was a little like 
I thought it was just a little mean. Like there's a woman that uh, clearly had like a drug problem. And I'm like, so you're saying so the and because they don't go any deeper into her story, the assumption that they are trying very hard to tell you is, well, because she had a drug problem, she was left behind. Yeah. And then there's one guy that didn't reconcile a relationship with his daughter. And you're like, he's a bad dad. Yeah, yeah. And now he's been left behind. And then there's a guy who they spend a good portion of the movie making sure that, you know, he's really nice and he like helps people put their bags away. But he's Muslim, and he's got the little white uh, his cap on, yeah. and he was left behind. Yeah. And then the little the the little person was really angry, so right. he had anger issues. Well, so he was, was a gambler. Behind. He was left yeah. behind. He was a gambler. Right? I just thought it took some liberties on, like, oh, okay, like I, I, that just seems kind of mean. And then <laughs> the judgmental, weird, like mean spirited mom who's like preaching at everybody, they're going to be left behind. She was right, and she she got taken. Right. You know, so it's like I mean, they made the Christian. They, you didn't like empathize. Like I want to be one of those Christians who made it. Not I mean, all. it's like, it was bizarre. It was. It was bizarre. Stay home, people. <sighs> yeah, Stay it, home. Well, well I, and I think there's, uh, it, it's raised a big uh, uh, discussion about the whole theology of, you know, the rapture, which, you know, that can be left for uh, another time. But I feel like for a movie, Christian or non-Christian, you know, I, I don't think it's overly important to try to have like an agenda to a film as mm-hmm. long as it's telling a compelling story. But for a movie to open up a lot of these sort of questions, particularly as it pertains to these religious ideas mm-hmm. without really attempting to offer any answers, you know, which, it, you know, the answers come in the form of Nicolas Cage seeing that his co-pilot who was left behind had John 316 inscribed on the wristwatch <laughs> that was left in his pile of clothes. You know yeah, what I mean? That's pretty powerful, actually. <laughs> that's what I do. Like I felt like that. Like I said, I I I don't think it's overly important for a movie to have a, a an agenda, religious, politically, or, or socially, if the story holds up. But to make the whole movie about asking these questions and to not really offer any answers was a little was a weird decision. I felt like. Well, with that, <laughs> yeah, there you have it. Rabbit. That is our... all. That being said, I was broken four times and had a pretty. Pretty profound yeah, experience. I came home and led Casey to Christ last night. <laughs> uh, Shauna, Too soon? I, I would say my favorite part, though, of this whole segment was Shauna's absolute <laughs> silence and refusal to engage she's with like, this. She's like, I'm Shauna's pro- silence is one of my favorite things. You're like, ah, we've gone too far for her. She's going to just stay out of the show for a few moments and come back with entertainment releases. <laughs> so, so, so I give it, I give it two out of five. Yeah, I give it what? Four, I give it four out of five. No, I would give it zero. I think I, it, I, I give can I have negative ones? It is, yeah. it is Can, not a movie. It yeah. is not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's a review of Left Behind. And go see yeah. it, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for entertainment releases. Hopefully good stuff to cleanse our palate of Left what we just experienced. Too. Here we go. Music releases Tuesday, October 14th. Album's coming out. Jesse J is coming out with Sweet Talker. Okay, Go, who was on the podcast yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, they are coming out with Hungry Ghosts. Stars is coming out with No One Is Lost. Uh, King's Kaleidoscope is coming out with Becoming Who You Are. Foxygen. I love oh. that name. Yeah. Foxygen. Uh, uh, and Star Power is the name of the album. And lastly, We Were Promised Jetpacks is coming out with Unraveling. <laughs> that is basically Jesse's group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy. There's another project for you. We Were Promised Jetpacks. <laughs> Jet- On uh, it. Movie release is coming out Friday, October 17th. Uh, let's see. Fury is coming out with uh, Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf. 
I would rather see Shia LaBeouf in a movie than what I just experienced. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying a lot. I, yeah. yeah, I'd rather see him on Inside the Actor's I Studio. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I like guys that, that are, you know, are a little eccentric. Shia LaBeouf? Did any of you see Even Stevens? Come on. It was hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it I knew he was going to be a star. It held up. I did too. You just tag it. And then there was that Project Greenlight thing on HBO, and he starred in the movie that was made. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it was him trying to become a movie actor after Even Stevens, or during Even Stevens. I have the box set of that show. I have no idea why. Because uh, <laughs> you're you. <laughs> Felony is coming out with Tom Wilkinson uh, and Joel Edgerton. Rudderless, William H. Macy's new movie, Lawrence Fishburne, Selena Gomez. And Birdman, Zach Galifianakis, Edward Norton, Michael Keaton. That looks really good. Yeah. It does. It really yeah. does. It's super interesting. Zach yeah. Galifianakis really gets me. Love that guy. Well, that'll oh, do yeah. it for uh, your entertainment releases, your celebrity news roundup for the Left Behind premiere. Uh, Shauna's Shana's moment of silence. Shauna's speaking update. <laughs> joy Tips for joy. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. She did this, but she got me. I must have been on a hit list. I would not preach or try to get religious, but I gotta testify. Can I get a witness? My God. Portions of this week's podcast are sponsored by World Vision. Our friends at World Vision have been serving the church for over 60 years as it serves the world's most vulnerable. Together with the church, they work to bring a full solution to the root causes of poverty, addressing some of the greatest needs of our day, including the crisis in the Middle East and the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. World Vision believes God is calling us to the world's hardest places in this time of unprecedented need. Invite your church to join with World Vision in the margins and bring hope and transformation to those suffering around the world. To find out how you can get involved, visit worldvision.org slash church. You're listening to Swoop. The song is On My Mind. It's featuring JR. Uh, we have a feature on Swoop in the next issue of Relevant. He's a really cool yeah. Christian R&B artist. All right, Cypher Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, uh, did, do any of you guys shop at Neiman Marcus, the department store? No, we're, we're on a budget. I, I didn't know it existed still. I use the bathroom in there sometimes what when I'm at that? the mall. Yeah, it's a nice yeah, one. Yeah, it's a really it? nice I'm, bathroom. I'm familiar with Neiman Marcus. I like it very much. They always have good food. In uh, addition to the, the uh, how sanitized the restrooms are. Right. I've never been yeah. in a Neiman Marcus. So, Chad, if you're driving around and you... <laughs> And it's like I gotta, I gotta stop. You you wait till you you're close to the Neiman Marcus. Yeah, I have it uh, saved in my GPS, and I just beeline <laughs> it to the closest Neiman Marcus. He'll actually just excuse himself from the dinner table, <laughs> just head over to, to Neiman, Neiman Marcus. Marcus. Nicer than the bathroom at his own home. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this: Is there a butler in the bathroom at your own house? Because there's one at the Neiman Marcus. Wow, that's wow. Nice. I don't know if that's actually true, but. <laughs> But if they really want to up their Annie, uh, I think they could afford it because they just released their annual Christmas catalog, and some of the items in there are totally bananas. Uh, so they basically offer a catalog of luxury items, but just to show how totally absurd this catalog is, I'm going to read a couple of these items and tell you how much they cost. It's basically like a Sky Mall for insanely rich people who have clearly lost touch with reality. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like Shauna, who shops there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Shauna, 
You're going to get my Christmas shopping done this year, early. <laughs> okay, good. This is, this is your, your friend's Christmas list. I, I'll put my name in that. Well, I, I have something else in mind on this list that I'll, I'll tell you. You can guess which one I'm going to ask for. Uh, this one is a trip to Paris to meet with a master perfume maker. They will make you a signature scent and then put it in a 14-karat gold bottle uh, that is, in fact, priceless for the cost of simply $475,000. Jonna, that's what I want you to get me. See, I feel like between Joy and I, we could mix up some delicious essential oil perfume <laughs> business. We could find like some little pretty bottle. I think we could do it for even slightly less than that. What do you think? <laughs> I literally am sitting next to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of my essential oils right now. What is essential oil? What do you oil? do with them? There's a formula in my medical book for broken bones, and I have been putting that formula on my foot on the regular. Wait, this is like I'm going to heal no. This is like my witch- kids are so into them. Where it's, it's a thing. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. What is it? Is whoa. it like witch doctor potions where they do like the drops in the cauldron and stuff? No, essential oils are God's gift to humanity. They're extraction They're the oldest from- medicine available. Right, yeah. witch doctor stuff. No, it's not. Literally. My foot looks so much better than I think it's supposed to look at this point, and it smells wonderful. <laughs> Every day I put on, I put on melaleuca, clove, and lemongrass, and I'm supposed to put eucalyptus, but I haven't purchased that one yet. Just so you know, saying that something is God's oldest X Y Z doesn't <laughs> hold water because I drove a car to work. I didn't bring a horse. We're like we've gone beyond it. You know what I mean? Like, a, so Eddie, you're saying there's a reason that medicine has moved on, <laughs> right? I'm being. I'm, I'm not criticizing them. I'm just yeah. Your you're argument. basically just putting lotion on your ankle. Is what oh. you're doing, right? I think there is like there are people who understand like the full medical uh, helpfulness. I think it's just I love how they smell. So I, it just smells amazing in our house. Where I put them on everybody, I put them all over me, I put them all over the kids. I'm chasing Aaron around. I'm like, oh, you want a little bit of this? I'll put it on your temples. What, it just why, smells wonderful. Why would you put that's, it on his just, temples? That's cologne, isn't oh, it? I no, mean- it's not, you guys. It it. I, we can't we can't spend the whole episode on this, but I I can oh, we do. Could, it. I could. We just did twenty minutes on Left Behind. I mean, we <laughs> should get something out of it. I will I will bring to the Christmas party. I'll bring my essential oils medical book, and you'll all be fascinated. And I'll bring yeah, some. Right. We'll do a little tutorials. There's some I put yeah, well, frankincense. Well, Miz will we'll apply oils. Is tutorials is that, oh, is, is that also incantations? In. Is that yeah. is that the other? <laughs> Why do you associate? natural things with the demonic i don't understand why we associate you you know you know how you just me (laughs) she lives in portland you and jesse stooped into a depression after you broke your foot why am i not as depressed as you guys because i put frankincense under my tongue every day and i'm doing it right now no you are crazy joy (laughs) Joy. frankincense good enough for jesus good enough for joy if jesus if jesus had advil he would have taken that they would have been they would have brought advil to him aaron is just cracking up about all this because i aaron's whole family is super natural health they're all chiropractors, natural childbirth, home birth, and I'm totally not. I'm like, I don't know, maybe I'll solve it with two Advil and a glass of wine. And now I'm super into the oils, and Aaron's like, you have crossed over. You're totally a Nyquist now. I'm like, super into it. Did you have your kids at a hospital or at home? Oh, a hospital. I wanted as many doctors and helpful pain medications as possible. Yeah, yeah. I, They could have like knocked me out a week early and just given me the baby later. That would have been fine with me. But did- oh, what, what am I doing, you ask? I'm birthing my children in the woods standing up. <laughs> <laughs> we did. After, while, while aggressive, while aggressively while running a trail. Just and screaming. I will catch it myself. 
Yeah. Well, well, you may want to pull your money for that perfume trip because it sounds like you guys would really enjoy it. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot about your slice. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that Carry was the, that was the best bring them back ever. That was but, really funny. Uh, you may not have enough left over for a twenty five thousand dollar custom made silk peacock. <laughs> is that the one you Period? wanted? That's it. No, you know, that, no that's it for twenty five thousand uh, dollars. There's also this is the, this is the one on my list. Uh, his and hers matching quad skis amphibious vehicles <laughs> that turn into four wheelers and jet skis instantly. That is the number one thing. How that much? Humans, How much? Because that's fifty thousand awesome. dollars a piece. Oh, that's wow. so yeah. cheap. Wait, I actually walked in on my dad watching a, a video about those once. He was like. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> e train, you got to get yeah, them. Yeah, so for if somebody him. could get that for him, that'd but, be but great. think about it for that for that Paris perfume trip. You could have like nine and a half of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a fleet. You get a fleet of quad skis. I mean, you imagine coming down, rumbling down the road, you and eighty of your friends and that thing, and then you guys oh. all hit the water and yeah. stuff. I mean, same time. Forget the f- essential oil fragrance and a gold bottle. I mean, come on. Yeah. And since and since this is the movie episode, I will uh, tie it into my favorite film, one of my favorite films, which is Condor Man. Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? He had that machine. You are long ago. You are. Well, you could have a match. You could have a, a pair for a mere hundred grand for a for, for like a fifth of the price of your trip to Paris. Yeah, uh, Eddie, right. this is one I think you would like an experience, uh, 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 an Oscar weekend experience where you get you get to go to the Oscars and you get two tickets to the Vanity Fair after party and a bunch of red carpet stuff. Uh, uh, all in the Neiman Marcus. Di- well, you're paid for it, but uh, they, they set it all up. That's cool. That's only four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds, that sounds totally. Who does reasonable. that money go to? Like, is that? Oh, not- actually, a, 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 like a ten percent of the the that will go to some like program for the arts. For, oh, good. Okay, oh, at, good. Okay. Kids. The rest, Nima Marcus is keeping. Yeah, yeah. So ten percent. Yeah, forty two thousand of the four hundred twenty five thousand. You can have yeah. custom linens for every bed, bath, and table in your entire home for only fifty five thousand dollars. What? That doesn't seem fair because what I if you have more understand. or less cu- things? Well, why would you need custom ones first of all? Unless you had that big circle shack bed, you know? True. Yeah, true. That's a great point. Then you need custom ones. <laughs> yeah, everybody else just gets king size sheets. That's actually a fantastic deal for Shaq. <laughs> <laughs> he spends that every month on linens. Yeah. <laughs> but don't you to. think that this is just all some type of ploy to subconsciously make people? People think that shopping at Neiman Marcus is more classy because literally no one would pay a half a million dollars for these things. Well, like that, they no, don't you didn't really hear about exist. the $35,000 cocktail shaker, so yeah. Yeah. that kind of debunks <laughs> that idea. Well, it worked on Chad. He won't use any bathroom except for Neiman Marcus. So, <laughs> <laughs> And all he does is, there, and he just goes there because they have the catalog in there. Yeah, it's amazing. Look, look at these items. Uh, there's a whole lot more other items. Uh, uh, Cranberry-colored cocktail Crocodile skin handbags for eighteen grand. Uh, there is a, a a custom mini racetrack that you can do little RC cars at your own home for three hundred grand. Cool. A lot of cool stuff in the catalog. So pop into your local Neiman Marcus restroom. Uh, tell the butler <laughs> Ask to take Chad. a hike. You're going to be a while, and just kick back and read this catalog. It's good stuff. Wow. Hey, real, real quick, can I say one more thing in defense of of the Rotten Tomatoes score of two percent. Here's okay. my deal. What two percent of the critics said this was good? I read and, the review line. and identify them and fire them because they clearly don't know what they're doing. Well, it takes a lot to actually make a movie like be on film and then to ship it. So there's something to be said for shipping. <laughs> Here's my defense. Ma- Matthew Weiner, right? He's the, the 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 writer and creator of Mad Men. Just released the movie that he wrote and directed, starring Owen Wilson, Zach Galifianakis, and Amy Poehler. It's terrible. 
It, it, it's called Are You Here? Yeah. You probably didn't see it because they pretty, they pulled it from the theaters almost immediately. Guess what that Rotten Tomato score? And, and you have the creator of Mad Men with all of those resources and three A-list actors mm-hmm. with, with Owen Wilson, Zach Galifianakis, Amy Poehler. Guess what that Rotten Tomato score is? 50%. 7%. Right. So I'm Ooh. just saying – Bad rankings can happen to to competent movies. Not saying it was a competent movie, but the I'm just director saying. of Left Behind's previous gig was he was a stunt man for Indiana Jones. Yeah, he was a stunt man, and yeah, then exactly. he, they not gave a him- guy I want to be besmirching publicly. <laughs> besmirching, good word. All right, moving on. What do you have, Shauna? Well, uh, this is sort of a similar, uh, Jesse and I are totally on the same page right now with kind of luxury items you might be thinking about possibly for Christmas for someone in your life. So um, there is a new company in Japan that has come up with a chair because, to quote their kind of press release, there are times in everyone's life when only a hug will do. So they've designed a chair that's always ready to give a comforting cuddle. If you can p- picture an armchair okay, and then picture like a, a lar- life size, which apparently is debatable. Um, <laughs> a large, as big as me. <laughs> right. Stuffed doll head okay. on the back of the chair. Oh, and wow. then arms that are just waiting to reach around and, and hug you at any time. Yeah, so it's like you're this, sitting on this. this stuffed animal man's lap. And his arms will reach out and hug you. How are you feeling about and that, Joy? I know. So when I said I live alone, uh, I wasn't <laughs> counting this chair that I own. But whatever. <laughs> Shauna, you just described a stall in the Neiman Marcus men's room. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> the butler is Good in. One. <laughs> it's also the chair from Bee Wee Herman. <laughs> oh, cherry. Oh, yeah, it's cherry. <laughs> it is cherry. <laughs> you, so it's, a, it's, it's an actual real-life cherry. Yeah, so they're... they're, they're uh, the concern is that about a quarter of Japan's population is currently over the age of 65, many of them living alone, and they're talking about wanting people to have a little more comfort. Hmm. And so for $419 or 46,000 yen, you can have uh, your hug chair. That's yeah. so much better than getting visits from your children. <laughs> right, totally. No, don't come over. I'm busy being hugged in my hug chair. Yeah. Man, that would be weird to me. And that would be the saddest thing you could ever encounter at someone's house. Or the saddest thing that you could, like, give your parent, you know, and be like, I'm not going to hug you anymore, so have this chair. (laughs) Yeah, or the saddest thing a parent could give a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Listen, I know I've been a bit emotionally detached your whole life and never really been great at telling you how much I love you or showing you any affection. Well, this chair costs like four hundred bucks, and they use it in Neiman Marcus. So yeah. I do, love you. Do Jesse. the arms like come around, or do you have to like pull? Are they just like stuffed flaps, and you have to pull them around you, or do they like mechanically encase in, in you? It's really, really interesting question. <laughs> Shauna, any information? Because because as a as a as a solve for my crippling loneliness, you know, uh-huh. I'm wondering what kind of chair I'm actually getting here. It looks to me like they're not mechanized. It looks to me like you would sit down in the chair and then you would reach each oh, arm around just, yourself you and then it would that's, stay put there. So they look kind of heavy. But, but I wonder if they're like... That's like buttoning up a robe. I wonder if they're... <laughs> I wonder if they're like... <laughs> Button your robes? No, I mean, you know, tying the flap, you tying the thing. That's it. I do that. I hug myself every morning then. I, wonder, I know. You know. Well, because that's the thing is like you need... Every human needs eight to 12 whatever touches a day, yes, which yes. Oh, not getting. You're not going to get that laying on your broken foot. I'll tell you that one. What if exactly. it's like, what if it's like Gumby arms though, where it's like you you have to adjust them once, but then they stay there, so you can watch do, Scandal all night and still kind of get cuddled like, up on. 
Yeah, they look sort of weighted and maybe like, yeah, like once you got them in position, I think it would be a, a pretty significant snuggle. I'm having trouble picturing this. Do they look like human arms? Like, and can you pick what kind of like? I want big like Hulk Hogan arms. Well, like if it, like Do Joy's you? doing all the bicep curls, is it big muscular wait, wait, arms? Wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 Jesse. I just what think it, kind of arms do you want hugging you? Yeah. No, it's not for the hugging. It's because I want a, an intimidating piece of furniture when I come when, when people come over. But, like the but, man that owns it. If I'm sitting in that chair with the arms just straight out, it sends a message to my guests. But, what, but those are also the arms you want wrapping around. You though, I mean, if I'm lonely, <laughs> if I have a bad dream, right? Right, I want Hulk, I want Hulk Hogan arms. I don't want like yeah. thin. Let me ask you this, Eddie: When you wake up from a night terror, do you want uh, some noodly, you know, affectionate arms, or do you want the tough, strong arms of Hulk Hogan embracing you till morning? I'm more of a like uh, the Rock, but either way would be fine. Yeah, but God. something with some. You guys want pythons, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah hugging me. I just don't think that this is I don't think this is going to satisfy the need to be hugged because you're having to you're having to make the hug happen yourself. Yeah, that doesn't count. If you just want like coziness, I say and I think I've said this before, buy yourself one of those dental x-ray blankets. Those things make you feel safe and secure and not alone anymore. You are something. Listen, so, hey, Joy, one of the, maybe one of the inventions that you could work on while you're bedridden is mechanizing these floppy yeah. arms into actual robotic movement. Into, into yeah. Hulk Hogan arms that want to voluntarily hug you. You don't have to ask And the, them to. the key is, is that you don't know when they're going to hug you. You yeah. know, they just kind of yeah. sense when it's needed. You and, know? It, and it might be a little, you know, you might lose uh, your breath. You know, because, hey, maybe Hulk is feeling aggressive. So, so it's like a bear hug chair. Yeah. Yeah. Hulk, too tight. Yeah. He's actually performing like a wrestling move on you, like a chokehold. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think some of what's unusual about this chair is they're talking about it being a hug chair. But there's like like a person's head and shoulders and he's wearing overalls and there's like fake legs hanging down off the chair. Does he have long blonde hair and a red headband? No, no, he doesn't. But it's not a hug. It's sitting on someone's lap. Right. Their arms around your waist. Like, that's a totally different thing. Like, you may need eight to 12 positive touches in a day, whatever. You don't need to sit on a person's lap and have them hug you. Yeah, that's, I don't even. That's a totally different level of of snuggling. If he looks like Hulk Hogan, I don't don't know if that research has been done. The person in chair that sits together and hugs every day stays together. You know what I'm saying? Man, interesting point. Really? <laughs> what a weird chair. I just, I just see Jesse sitting in the chair, and when the arms enclose around him, he like, he like aggressively responds and like flips the chair over his shoulder and pins it down on the ground. That's yeah, mine's just going to teach me sweet wrestling moves. <laughs> Like, he's got me in a half Nelson. I have to break it. Like, it's a practice chair but for, Joy, for combat. Practice chair for combat. <laughs> and I never know when it's going to wrap its arms around exactly. my neck and I got to break the, free. The untapped market is self-defense classes for ladies. It's a whole room full of these chairs, and they have the ladies sit down, and then they, they learn how <laughs> and to... And you're def- just relaxing yeah. watching TV, and you don't know when the Hulk's going to turn on. And yeah. you have to respond. Or Santa Claus. It could be Santa Claus. you just sitting like a bad and Santa. And that would ruin Christmas for the rest of your life. <laughs> right, it really little would. Santa's jingling the bell, and you like you know, the face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think obviously the only solution is we need a full set of them 
for the Christmas party just yeah. to test Sweet. it out together. Yeah, yeah. find them in the Neiman Marcus I'm going to build a home theater yeah. and the seats will all be Hulk Hogan floppy armchairs. Yeah, so we can rub essential oils on our temples and watch Les Mis together. But we can put the essential oils on the tips of the <laughs> chair arms ever. and rub the chair arms on our yeah. temple. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I wanna, like I'm, that Dolph Lundgren I want to come massage. into the relevant Christmas party and the room to be filled with those, um, with those, uh, our, what, what are the things called that you just said are like four wheelers that turn into boats? Yes. I oh, want yeah. those with the Santa Claus armchairs sitting on top of them like they're riding them. That's what I want. And a bow. It's going to be a yeah, great I would teach party. My, I'd be like, Hulk, man, I, I got a knot right in my shoulders, dog. Help me out here, man. And then I just place the hands and he would just work it out. And then you just kind of like cry. And, it's and then, like, then, it's then, real then I'd weird. be like, now I'm afraid, hold me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you like weep and you kind of like throw it on the floor, but then you immediately put it back up and apologize and sit back down. And it's just yeah, a that, weird yeah, cycle. Like, that never happened. Like, play it cool. Pull it together, Hulk. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> you, you can have the remote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love you so much. <laughs> Watch whatever you want. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, I'm your Hulkamaniac forever. All right, moving on. What do you have, Eddie? All right, on a, on literally what I would say is the most <laughs> different note I've ever. Like I, there's no transition other than to just begin uh, this Sunday um, coming up. Uh, coming up, yes, 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 coming up. Uh, it's Pulpit Freedom Sunday. And so almost 1,500 pastors, I've read another number that says almost 2,000 pastors at this point, are attempting to provoke the IRS by preaching political messages from the pulpits. Uh, a recent survey found that Americans increasingly agree that uh, pastors should have a right, um, including folks that are uh, uh, religiously unaffiliated. Um, and so this weekend is going to be the 7th Pulpit Freedom Sunday, and it's uh, coordinated by an organization that encourages pastors to break an existing law that prohibits registered nonprofit organizations from electioneering. Um, and so there's been some Pew research done that says nearly half of Americans uh, now believe that churches and other houses of worship should be able to express themselves politically. Um, and these 1,500 pastors are going to take to the pulpit and, and talk about that. Um, this is the seventh year of it. In the prior six years, there have been thousands of churches that have done this, and the IRS has only flagged a very small few of them. Like there were a hundred last year, and they were uh, they'd already had errors in the past. But I thought this is interesting uh, because I think that one, it brings up the issue of is this uh, a, a law that should be? Um, should they be able to talk about anything they want from the pulpit? Um, but, and, but real quick, Eddie, yeah. Can't they? They do have the right to talk. I mean, it's, it's not like they don't have the freedom of speech. You're it's right. just that they are tactics. They're tax exempt because they're not a political organization. Correct. Like I, if I ran like some sort of uh, campaign organization, I have to pay taxes. Yes, yes. Like not not like a nonprofit. And the reason that the law is in place so that I can't so that. There's there's something preventing me from setting up like a political fundraising uh-huh. uh, organization and calling it a church. That's right. No, that's right. And 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 by law, I mean it's not like they're going to go to jail. They're going to lose their tax exempt status right. as a church. Um, I I wonder as I think about it, it feels like the tide has is changing, and it doesn't feel necessarily fair. I, I would never, from a pulpit, speak politics, but I was curious what you all thought. And um, There's actually a study coming out, uh, Tyler and I were just talking about this morning, for, that we're going to uh, talk about in the next issue of Relevant uh, in, in Front Matter, that, uh, that the tide is turning back to faith engagement in politics, mm. that there was this major, like, Christians shouldn't 
uh, be involved uh, in polit- politics or shouldn't you know the the church itself shouldn't be political, mm-hmm. and that that's actually changing again, and that that people are saying that the church should be more deliberately a- uh, advocating politically. Hmm. I, I think obviously it's a nuanced thing, and and it, I, but I think you know church pastors can still talk about political issues; they just can't endorse candidates from the pulpit. Or, or, or they, they can't actively campaign. They can still, like a pastor can still talk about his position on a political issue that would be, uh, you know, of interest to his congregation, like abortion or something. But I think it seems to me, I, I'm not an expert on it, but it seems like the law is in place not to m- muzzle people in the ministry uh, from endorsing candidates from the pulpit. They can still endorse a candidate personally, but they can't. Act, they can't actively campaign for them. But it seems like the reason it's in place is so that you just so that it's it's a campaign finance thing that organizations that are raising money for candidates can't just say, "Well, I'm the first church of uh, Second Baptist Omaha," uh, but it's really just there. a they, campaign. They actually office. have a great kids ministry. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it seems like there, there's a reason that that's in place so that you know churches have a special place, but they're not campaign organizations. Well, I think there's like a, I think there's a difference between you know a Sunday morning pulpit type thing where a pastor is pushing his personal agenda, like you were saying, Jesse, or bringing in a politician himself. I mean, I've heard of churches doing that, um, and then something that my church did that I thought was really beautiful. They not on a Sunday, like midweek, they let the city use our church building, and they asked if they could host um, debates and kind of like an open Q and A between the different. Uh, mayoral uh, candidates and just let people hear what those, you know, what their stances were from all the different people running. So I do think what kind of what you were saying, Cameron, like we need to create almost like these public squares where Christians can have engagement and hear and discuss, you know, in both sides. And I think Christians should be kind of the hosts in a sense, whether it's in a church or not, but of bringing politicians from both sides and i think out of that something really beautiful can come but i do i get skeptical when there's you know churches where you're only hearing one side shauna you own a church what do you think (laughs) (laughs) i what a church own (laughs) own yeah that's how that works you're the president Um, of a church (laughs) (laughs) no i totally agree with joy i think it's um i i grew up in a tradition that really um does not prescribe the way people vote. We don't talk about it in those terms at all. We would never say, because we believe these things from a faith tradition, obviously that means we vote specifically this way. Like I grew up in a community where people vote, feel things really strongly, really, Mm. uh, and really opposite. And we come together and worship together and learn together. And I have really appreciated that. So when I hear kind of that, because you're this particular kind of Christian, it means you're this particular kind of voter. That makes me really uncomfortable. I just said, there's so many people in my life who I love, who we share so much from a faith standpoint, but we vote really differently. And so I like the idea of using um, the church space to promote those kind of uh, conversations and dialogues. And I, I really don't like the idea of a pastor, a person with influence, mm. using that influence uh, for uh, one particular political individual or campaign or party. That doesn't feel right to me. So, But again, that's uh, I know there are some traditions that do that really differently, where the two really do feel paired. Mm-hmm. That because you believe this, because you're part of this church, it means you vote this way. For me, that's not how it works. 
Yeah. And at what point does like a reverse lobby happen where a candidate would, you know, make a donation to a church and all of a sudden they're endorsing that candidate because they're, you know what I mean? It just muddies a lot of waters. Well, and I don't think, I mean, but then on the extreme side for churches who, you know, maybe the pastor feels this conviction to, to publicly say, like, even though I don't feel like it's right, I also don't feel like he should be thrown in jail necessarily or penalized. And I think if that's the way things are headed, then that's a sad commentary on freedom of speech. But I think as Christians, like we should all challenge each other as the body of Christ to go, are we inviting, you know, a dialogue of both sides? And anytime a pastor in that leadership role gets so passionate about something that he abdicates the thinking and the pursuit of wisdom of his people, that's when you're going, what kind of church are we running here? You know. Yeah, I, I I I feel like I land on. I would never do this from a pulpit. I would never want a church to land politically. But I still have a hard time, even with the financial ramifications that Jesse spoke about. I have a hard time still saying you can't do that. Uh, but they it, but they can do it. But they can't be taxes. That that's the thing. Like right, when, right, when, right, right. Yeah, that's you know true. what I mean. Like there's yeah. nothing preventing you from making your church a political organization. Yeah. It's just you're gonna have to pay taxes like all the rest do. It's yeah. not about what they can and can't do. It's about you know your your That's tax right. status, which is there for a reason to protect. This isn't you know. Canada, is what he's saying. This isn't Canada. We have freedom of speech here. Yeah, <laughs> you're just going to pay for that freedom. You know what I'm saying? That's well, well good point. you just you just can't be. Uh, well, 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 what, let me ask you, Cameron. What's your opinion on the on this particular uh, topic? Whatever. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Some guy on Twitter this week called us. Uh, it was some yeah, insulting it. It comment, and then, and then called us like whatever liberal, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and, uh, about the War of eighteen twelve. Which, of course, I will not be apologizing for. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal it to Canada. A bit of a week, it was rough a rough week on Twitter. It, it was. Sean, it really was, wasn't it? How did I miss this? Uh, they basically people called out us being a bunch of ignoramuses because we didn't know that Canada did something to DC in eighteen twelve or something. I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> but it was more. But one guy was more directly insulting. Oh, he was of very us. cruel. Yeah, very rude. Because that's what Jesus would do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That guy really represents Christ on Twitter, and Ooh. I'm glad that he did that for Ooh. us. And then, and then Jesus would get on the podcast and call him out. Ooh, I didn't yeah, say his name. He said a- our name. I didn't say his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, Sean, right. and Sean is gone. That'll do it for slices. <laughs> Stay tuned. Up next, Will Baki from Believe Me. You're listening to Gemini Club. The song is Sparklers. This week's interview is brought to you by NatureBox. With snacks that you can feel good about, NatureBox is a subscription service that offers the ability to discover and enjoy delicious and nutritious snacks on a monthly basis. Rather than picking up something while grocery shopping, have your smart snacks conveniently sent right to your door at home or to your office. We get them here at Relevant. Uh, maple habanero pretzel pops, sriracha, rice crackers, pumpkin spice, nom nom, savory or sweet, anything you want. And they're all snacks you can feel good about. Join NatureBox today and get a free sample box of some of their most love snacks. Just go to naturebox.com slash relevant to start your free trial. The free trial includes four sampler snacks, one full size snack, and just $2 to ship it. It's time to get snacks that you can feel good about. 
naturebox.com slash relevant. Will Bakke is an award-winning filmmaker out of Austin, Texas, whose new film, Believe Me, recently released. It's an independent comedy drama that focuses on four college students who are desperate, broke, and out of ideas, so they start a fake charity to embezzle money for tuition. The film uh, stars uh, Nick Offerman, Christopher McDonald, who you might know as Shooter McGavin. Uh, Lecrae makes an appearance. There's a bunch of other good actors as well. You can uh, buy and rent the film on iTunes, actually. Our very own Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is Will Bakke. Why do people go to charity events? Because they want to help people. Wrong. They want to feel like they're helping people. Well, how do you do? I gotta tell you, I was out there listening. I have every intention of putting you on the national stage. Christians want the emotional high of giving. We're just gonna supply that demand in exchange for a small fee. And if we're gonna be playing Sunday school for the next two months, we got a lot of homework to do. From conception to uh, to completed product, how close is it to what you had in mind? Oh my gosh, uh, it pretty much exceeded all expectations uh, that I had going into it. I mean, the the production team, the three of us that really kind of saw this thing through for them the last three years, uh, we were just blown away, especially by just the talent that wanted to be involved in the project. And you know, when you write a script like this, it's you just kind of you never know who's going to want to be a part of it and, and, and not. And so I think what was crazy was just the diversity of, of actors, um, regardless of faith, that were like really drawn to the idea and really drawn to the project. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, was, it was great. Fellas, here's the deal. We can only afford to offer you one signing bonus, but it is $15,000, and we can cover all of your food and lodging expenses while you're on tour. On tour, we, we would be doing what exactly? Well, obviously you'll be getting donations, but primarily you'll be preaching. Oh. Um. Quick question, uh, Ken, just because you had mentioned fundraising, how much money could we expect to make uh, for Africa? <laughs> um, safely, quarter of a million. When, when you were first thinking, dreaming up Believe Me, or, or the idea that became Believe Me, what iterations did it go through, or, or what sort of ideas did you have that maybe didn't quite make it all the way to the to the screen? Were there any? Some of the ideas that I think were originally um, on the table were, it, it was going to be much more about the power of argument. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Thank You for Smoking. It's one of my favorite movies. But it's just all about uh, the power of argument. And, and when I was in college, I took a class on argumentative fallacies and just the way that we communicate ideas and some of the tricks that people use in order to sway others. And uh, I think at first, we we almost were going to make it more about that, more about some guys that kind of find this Christian audience and they use sort of the power of persuasion to get people to uh, hand over their money. But the more that we have delved into the culture of Christianity, I and mean, we're Christians ourselves, we know better than anybody uh, how cheesy we can be sometimes, uh, we just saw the comedy was there. And so that's, as writers, that's what we went to, is what was most entertaining, what did we want to see up on the screen. Son, you've got three weeks to come up with your tuition. Whatever plan B is, I suggest you hop to it. 
completing your transcript and your application to graduate. Thank you. Your scholarship expired last semester. I'm gonna pour you a drink. Obviously, I interviewed Nick Offerman for the piece we're doing, and he spoke very highly of the film. I was very surprised that you guys were able to talk him into doing this because he has sort of a famous aversion to faith. Was there a convincing process that you had to go through? <laughs> I'm actually wildly intrigued to know what he says because I couldn't guess. I We, um, we sent him the script, and we had the role... Um, open. We knew we wanted to, to shoot that scene with with another actor, and 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 he, his name popped up. And when he said he wanted to be a part of it, I was shocked because I had actually just bought his book, and I was reading through where he was talking about his own uh, opinions of Christians. I was like, "There's no way this dude is going to do this movie." Um, but when he agreed to it, we were just so dumbfounded and so uh, humbled and thankful because he's one of our favorite actors. I mean, we're just big fans of Ron Swanson, obviously, but there wasn't too much convincing. I mean, we were on set, and uh, I think we asked him like why he wanted to be a part of this project, and I think for him, uh, and he can speak for himself, but I think he just really enjoyed the story, and he enjoyed the characters, and he enjoyed how messy everything seemed to be within these characters' lives. And You know, I think if you tell authentic stories, it is going to attract people no matter what side of the sense of religion or faith or politics they're on they want to tell good stories who's ready to worship and pray worship and pray okay starting off with worship this is basically the best way to advertise your faith and from what i can tell so far there are four essential hand raising techniques first one the gecko it's just hands by the side palms open just going for God, like this. This one's really good for blending in, because no one can tell if you're worshiping or not. Second, call this one casual five. One hand in the pocket, one hand up in the air. High-fiving God, yeah. Subtle, simple. The next one, the straight jacket. This is very, very simple. You're literally gonna hug yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I recommend this one when worship goes acoustic. I don't need to hug anybody else. It's just me. Last but not least, my favorite, the Shawshank. Now, this one this is a little intense, maybe a little too intense. Do we jump up and down while Shawshanking? No. How do you know? No, right? No, please. Look, again, if the situation calls for it, right. everyone's going to town, I recommend just little cat phrases. Balls your feet. You don't want to force it. You don't want to be Shawshanking in a room full of geckos. In terms of from when you from when you started this film to to now to the finished product, would you say creating it and and the the writing and the directing and the post production process was it was it harder than you thought it would be or was it easier? Uh. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, it's, but it was, it was completely, it was a totally different kind of difficult. Um, I've made two documentaries before this one, uh, where you have as much time in the world to figure out exactly what you're putting on screen and, and what works, and you get to mold the story. And uh, you know, for a narrative feature, the, you're molding the story from the script, 
And you can have the best story in the world, but as soon as you start shooting it, the story changes. And so that a story gets rewritten three times when it's written down, when it's actually filmed, it can be completely different. And then when it's actually edited and put together um, on the cutting room floor, and a lot of times, more often than not, you need a lot on the cutting room floor. Um, so it's extremely difficult to go through all of those processes um, and continually just adapting the story to what you have. Uh, but it made it so much easier having the kind of talent um, that I had around me. And to be honest, I, we, we feel like God had his hand on this whole project because there were just so many doors open, so many windows open for us. Uh, when it came to the crew, when it came to the cast, when it came to just um, putting all the right pieces in front of three 25-year-olds to make you know this kind of movie with this kind of quality. And it's it's exciting. I mean, to be honest, it's just... It's really crazy to us because we feel like we're at the very beginning of something uh, really big and we want to be this fresh breath of air in filmmaking um, that says you can tell authentic stories, really good stories with good production value and good actors um, and still talk about Jesus in a, in, a, in a way that people don't, you know, aren't cheesed out by and can relate to. And so it was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do, but it was also the most fun I've ever had doing movies and making movies. And so, yeah, extremely grateful to be part of this film. Now, I know you've probably already discussed this, but I'm curious. We would love to hear more about your work in Lesotho. Ah. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, really, if you're boiling it down, you know, if you're really... Let's let's really look at the, the base facts. I mean, this is... This is really the Lord's work, wouldn't you say? Now, obviously, you left things very ambiguous with your ending, and I appreciate that. But if you were to say there is a takeaway or something you wanted people to leave thinking about, what would it be? Yeah, I think the takeaway from the film is really just to challenge um, the idea of truth and why do you believe in things that you believe. Uh, is it because someone just stood up on a stage and told you something was true? Um, you know, we investigate the power of platforms in this movie a lot, and I think more than going into this movie with a message or a, you know, an agenda-driven uh, film, we wanted to tell a compelling story, and and that was all about. And, and and I think that's where we wanted to differentiate ourselves from a lot of other films that call themselves Christian films. You know, we we don't say that we're a Christian film, but we feel like sometimes you know, the the agenda or the message can get put before the story so much so that your characters lose out on really living lives and making decisions that are authentic. And so, you know, it's, it's always hard for me to, to say what's the message because I always just want to push story. But I guess if, if you're going to take a message away, uh, it'll probably be different for everybody, to be honest. I would say that it's about the power of platforms and it's about the idea and the concepts of truth and whether truth is relative or not. I propose we start a clothing line and we're going to call it... That was Will Baki. If you want to check out Believe Me, you can go to BelieveMeFilm.com or find it on iTunes. And also, as a bonus, if you want to hear an interview that we did with the lead actor, Alex Russell, it'll be up on the podcast episode page at RelevantMagazine.com. 
Listening to Tom York, the song is "Guess Again." What's this play? Guess, guess again. again. Um, I didn't guess. I was asking you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, guess again. I'm going to say Tom York. Oh, am I right? <laughs> guess again. Um, Saint <laughs> Paul and the Broken Bones is a seven-piece soul band out of Birmingham, Alabama. Frontman Paul Janeway actually grew up singing Southern gospel music in a charismatic church, and it shows. According to him, his roots bring a kind of rawness listeners are searching for, and he can't help but go all out. Their new album, Half the City, released earlier this year, and it is fantastic. They're on tour right now, and we uh, actually have a piece on them in the new or the current issue of Relevant. Uh, Tyler Huckabee recently spoke to him. Here is Paul Janeway from St. Paul and the Broken Bones. brief history of St. Paul and the Broken Bones? <laughs> um, me and the bass player of St. Paul and the Broken Bones uh, best friends and we decided that we wanted to make, you know, we, we ran a band previous to this and we decided we wanted to make music together and he, uh, so we got in the studio and and through his connections because he was, he played with some local bands in Birmingham we met the guitar player and uh, Broen and uh, the drummer Andrew, and then uh, we they came to the studio and we all felt it felt right, and, and so we we decided we we're going to get horns too. And Jesse worked at a music shop that with some guys that played some horns, and they came in and and uh, that became the band. And we've uh, it's it's been pretty pretty quick ever since. <laughs> Listening to you guys' music, it does sound like church music. Like it sounds like it sounds like old school church music. Would you call that <laughs> right, a, an right, inspiration? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I um, I, mean, I grew up obviously singing in the church, and um, it's definitely definitely more you know more of the old gospel 
Um, not not so much anything that's current. I'm not really into that, but um, but all of the old like Joe Lagan of the Mighty Clouds of Joy and Alex Bradford and James Cleveland and uh, like all that stuff is uh, definitely definitely influential on me, which I think in turn influences the rest of the guys. But but yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely heavily in- influenced by old church music. You can, I mean, the thread that you're chasing, the, the sort of genre that, that you're, is your heritage, I mean, they, it's a lot of vertically oriented songs, obviously. It's a lot of religious stuff. It's a lot of, it's a lot of God. Talk about God. Lyrically, is that something you, you guys aspire to do? Or are you get more interested in, like, in personal stuff and in relationships and girls and that whole thing? <laughs> um, you know, I, lyrically... Um, Personally, you know, obviously I grew up in the church, and, and, and the church that I grew up in was a little more charismatic than normal. Uh, and so that's definitely had an influence. I mean, I thought, I mean, most of my life I thought I was going to be a preacher. Oh, really? I was going to be a pastor. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. And um, <clears throat> kind of fell out, of, fell, fell out of love with that and kind of fell out of love with church. But, you know, my, my girlfriend's Episcopalian, so... Oh. <laughs> uh, I'll go with her. <laughs> I'll go with her ever so often now, which is completely different than what I grew up with. Yeah, and uh, I wouldn't call myself religious, but but I think, I mean, obviously, you know, broken hearts and 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 things like that are pretty universal. And but I mean, religious imagery is going to come up lyrically just because it's a part of who I am. Um, it's a part of my past. Um, and, and it's just going to come out, um, whether that's, you know, anger or, you know, nonsensical stuff or, or whatever. It's just, it's kind of part of, it's part of the thing. The master of my pain And my kingdom has fallen When you're singing what you are singing about, when you're singing about stuff that's going on in your life, is that ever intimidating to go on stage and be telling people some some really pretty personal things about yourself? Uh, yeah, I mean it, the whole thing is it's very it, it's very bizarre for me. I'm 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 a fairly private person. Um, you know, I don't go out very much. You know, I I uh, you know I like people, but I, I just I don't I, you know I stay home and watch Netflix a lot. <laughs> um, you know, like that's that's the kind of person I am. Yeah, but it's very weird to to kind of be kind of all out there and and have everything, you know. But that's the only way I know how to do music. I mean, that has to do with growing up in the church. Is like the only way you do church music. The only way I feel like you do church music is all in. Huh. And so when you do this, it's kind of a reflection of 
what I grew up with, it's like you got to do it all in. And whether that's talking about you know being brokenhearted about some relationship, or whether that's talking about your confusion of God, or or any of those things, like it's got to you got to be true to that, and you got to be honest with that. And, and whether it's you know stereotypical to do or whatever, it's just kind of it is what it is. And uh, there's only it's only one speed, and that's the only speed I know. <laughs> That was Paul Janeway. Make sure to check out his band at stpaulandthebrokenbones.com. Love it. You're listening to Tuvlo. Song is Habits. And I like that song a lot. Yeah. It's actually the number one song on the alternative chart on iTunes. Sure. Right yep. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we asked you um, to tell us why should we hire you to be the DJ for our Halloween party? And, and what would your DJ name be? And what can we expect from your DJ's persona? You know, the hard-hitting questions of the day. Man. Uh, before we get into your feedback, uh, Shauna had to step out, and Eddie Big Cat had to step out. So, so Joy and... The IRS and, came for Eddie. <laughs> Shauna was raptured. <laughs> yeah, we've been and I can't step out anywhere. <laughs> you could crawl out, Because then Hawk Hogan is hugging you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hawk Hogan has you in a crazy neck lock right now. <laughs> But I'm used to this because I literally did the same leg seven years ago. So I'm I'm a skilled hopper. I've got it down. I did too. I got I got really good at hopping. Yeah. I would just shout, "Hey, somebody come in here and help me!" <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I want to go first because I really like this one. And wait, I don't wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So you guys, so you guys, uh, to chime into the question of the week, you guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You hit us up on Twitter at relevantpodcast, and here are a few of our favorites. Okay, so my favorite is Jillian Klopke. Klopke? I cannot say that last name without picturing a Clydesdale horse. Klopke, <laughs> Klopke, Klopke. <laughs> um, but she said, her name's Jillian, so I thought this was great. D-Jill, thrill pill. She'll be passing out medications and throwing down beats that make you sick because she's an ICU nurse by day and a DJ that sees you on the dance floor by night. And free flu shots included for all at the end of the party. Well done, <laughs> D-Jill Thrill Pill. That was well played. <laughs> uh, Fimi on the podcast episode played, uh, uh, did some for, for the, the, the cast, our very own cast relevant podcast. If we were uh, DJs, Joy would be DJ who hurt. <laughs> <laughs> like Q-Bert. She hurt, your, she hurt your ears with that sick beat, and she likes to ask people who hurt them. Yeah, <laughs> DJ who hurt. Uh, she suggested I would be DJ Fleshy Tail, which is a terrible Disgusting. thing to even think yeah, about. Awful. Uh, Eddie would be DJ Miz. 
Cameron, you're straight up DJ Orlando. Yeah, I don't like it. Because your music, uh, the music you make is magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, right. Shauna <laughs> is DJ I, she, Seconds. You, you could have also said that all the music I play blooms. No, Orlando no, Bloom. I, I, I got it. Yeah, uh, go. that that's pretty good. Take is it he out. still acting? Is Joy. he still a guy? Yeah, he was in Left Behind. Okay. Or, or you could say that uh, all my music, I'm pretty Tony. Tony Orlando? Anybody? Oh. 80s? Also Hispanic? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it to you. We'll give it to you. <laughs> DJ Tony. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm from Orlando. <laughs> oh, uh I kind of like DJ Danza. I don't know what the connection would be, but it just sounds cool. Simply get a Tony, fam- my favorite Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> still got a soft spot for that guy. Uh, he's still oh, a boss be, it to could me. Be um, t- DJ Tony Danza. Like, <laughs> no, you mean DJ Tony because you're the boss. Yeah, DJ Tony because you're a boss. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> DJ Tony Danza because you are straight up boss. Okay, uh, yeah, Shauna DJ Seconds. Beats so delicious, you want more. Steven Chuck Ray, also a great last name. Wait, um, Jesse's not done. Jesse's not, not done. <laughs> what? Go, go ahead. I'll come back. Jesse's wasn't done. <laughs> I am terrible at these. I have. I start them before you've even introduced this. You literally segment. didn't I have a moment to take name. a breath. I feel like you get psyched out about that. Just take me off the docket. <laughs> go, Jesse. Have you ever heard of the, what they call in sports the yips? It's like when a, when, when a third baseman can no longer make the throw from third to first. He knows it's easy to do. <laughs> he just has a psychological complex where he overthrows first base. I think you have the yips when it comes to reading feedback. Like, it's pretty easy. Oh, man. I mean, literally, it's the only part of the po- – I'm not trying to get on you, Joy. I know how it is to get in a weird headspace. But it's literally the only part of the podcast that's written for us. <laughs> I know. Like, we just read thing. things. I can't. It's like literally my, I did announcements at my church for a while, and I would get more nervous about doing announcements on a Sunday morning than speaking like on, you know, for a crowd because it was their content to be relayed. Uh, when it's my stuff in my head, fine. Somebody else's stuff, I lose my mind. <laughs> oh my God. So finish, Jesse. Yeah. Okay, Chad, you would be DJ Air because we need you to keep the podcast alive and presumably the party alive. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. He yeah. also had a couple bonuses. Uh, Tyler Huckabee would be DJ Double Denim, obviously. Sure. Um, uh, Adam. DJ Rambo. We have Calvin with uh, DJ. You bring the cloak. He brings the dapper. Yeah, I don't like that one. Yeah, I would have called Calvin DJ Dad because of all of his dad jokes. Yeah, you know, I think Cameron's got that pretty covered well, now. Hey. Or just like Doctor Pun or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody, it's Doctor Pun. Who's ready for? Yeah, no. <laughs> Who's ready to laugh? All right, sorry. <laughs> You have to be his hype man, by the way. Joy, it's your turn. Oh, am I on? Is this? Okay. Steven Chuck Ray. (laughs) Great last name. This isn't his first rodeo. His DJ name is actually DJ Brass Chuckles because this was the persona he took on in college and it escalated very quickly. He had one concert that, okay, one concert, one album. 50 songs written, three t-shirt designs, three music videos, one wedding performance, and several close misses on babies being named after him. And so then he sent a link to a YouTube to prove it, but I have not clicked upon that yet. 
So DJ DJ Brass Chuckles. There you go. <laughs> I really am so bad at this. One are we are we still going on your joy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's done. <laughs> I gave you no material to work with. Move on. Carry along. I, I think it was because I wasn't sure it was it had ended. It just got really breathy on your end. <laughs> like I heard you reading, and it was just heavy breathing. I don't know. I don't know, like the uh, the tone or inflection that uh, will communicate to someone on the other end that, like I, you know, like you take it down and you're like, and this is the wrap up of a sentence. Sometimes I go up, and then you think I'm going to continue. I'm just messing with you. Um, some some somebody wrote just favorite Canadian. Steve Nash. I don't know if they were confused about what the question of the week was, <laughs> if they were supposed to name their favorite Canadian, or if they were suggesting a DJ named Steve Nash, which would probably be pretty effective. A lot of people would probably come to the event. They would be disappointed immediately. But if your DJ name is Steve Nash, I think a lot of people would come. Yeah. Did you see Trevor Ruland Allen's? I think it's a shout out to Jesse. He said his name would be DJ Utopia. You will like my beats or I'll break your thumbs. Yeah, that's good. That's a Jesse. Yep. And, and that and now I'm done with that one. Okay. <laughs> we can wrap it there. <laughs> All right. Well, there's there's more feedback. If you want to go check it out, uh, hit up the episode page uh, over at the website. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about movies this episode, uh, particularly uh, ones, not ones. I mean, because believe me, we actually really like. Right. But uh, one in particular that let many of us down. 98% of critics were not <laughs> pleased with it. We want to know the worst movie you've ever seen. Give us the name, a, a brief synopsis, and if you can link to a trailer, we would love that so we could possibly play it on next week's show. And uh, if yeah. any of you say that Condor Man was the worst movie you've ever seen, I will hurt you. But now, you can't hurt them because you're bedridden. So I've got crutches and I have people all over <laughs> Hulk Hogan chair. will find you. He can travel, hunt you down, I'll hug you uncomfortably hard. <laughs> and for, and that, it's not that he hugs you uncomfortably hard. It's that it's that the long. hug lasts a little bit too long. Yeah. I think we've all been there. Haven't we? <laughs> all right. So if you want to answer the worst movie you've ever seen in a brief synopsis of what it was about and a link to their trailer, hopefully, you can go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and you can also tweet us at Relevant Podcast. That'll be fun. Many thanks to Will Baki for talking to us. Make sure to go check out Believe Me. You can find out more at believemefilm.com. And thanks also to Paul Janeway uh, for talking to us. The, get the new St. Paul and the Broken Bones album. It's amazing. You won't be disappointed. Um, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chad Michael Snavely. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Joy Egrich. For Sean and Equist and Big Cat. We'll see you next week. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. Thanks for listening to the Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. I wish we'd all been ready. Mm. 
when you wake up from a night terror, do you want some noodly affectionate arms or do you want the tough, strong arms of Hulk Hogan embracing you till morning? 